Hi, I'm Bob Ekblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been really moved lately by John chapter 1, verses 1 to 13, and I've been kind of seeing it in a different light. It's uh, one of these worn out texts for a lot of people, but for me it's kind of come alive um, afresh. It begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's interesting how this word logos, in the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God and the Logos was God, um, is emphasized, you know. Um, how many of us need to hear a word? You know, we need to hear a word from God. I know that I am always asking, you know, Lord, just show me the way. Show me the way forward. Give me insight. Give me discernment, wisdom uh, for a decision for, you know, just understanding a scripture that I'm preaching on or, or teaching on or just... Uh, you know, how to manage a, a relationship, you know, so many, so many reasons for wanting a word. And so the presence of God is described as a logos here, as a, a creative word. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, that is the logos, nothing came into being that has come into being. So this logos, this word that is God, is uh, a creative word that you know brings things into existence in him was life and the life was the light of people so while this logos is associated with life and life uh, life and light and uh, how positive is that and um, how many of us need um, to, to have more of an abundant life than than we're currently living or how many of us would benefit from being enlightened from light shining on a situation. Are there situations where you feel like you're in the dark, where um, you feel like you're blind, like you're a blind person groping along in the darkness? Often I find myself feeling like the people that are sitting in darkness. Um, and uh, I need to see the great light. And so here it continues in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not uh, overcome it, or in other um, other way of interpreting that is that did not understand it or comprehend it, and both of those translations are possible. So this is a light that's a different kind of light because uh, the darkness can't overcome it, and or can't understand it. And um, are there situations where we feel like we're in the dark and we don't understand whatever this light is that is the Word that is God? Um, I know that I feel that way often, oftentimes, and and a lot of us we struggle to uh, to really get breakthrough. So um, and we have this section about John the Baptist as a witness, and this is so beautiful. Verse six: There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. So um, John's role is a prototype. Uh, preparing the way of the Lord role. It's a role that all of us, I believe, uh, are invited into as disciples of Jesus. So we are called to bear witness, to testify about the light, um, and with the hope that people might believe through through us, as many believe through John. Um, it's clarified in verse 8, 
that John was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. So we aren't the light, um, but we can bear witness, can't we? And, um, and then verse 9, there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every person. So there we have the commitment of the true light, um, which comes into the world to enlighten not just a few, not just a choice select elect group, but there's a commitment to enlightening everyone. And this notion of coming into the world is a continuous action. So the true light keeps coming into the world, enlightening every person. So it's very inclusive, isn't it? And I certainly want to be included. And this encourages me because if it's true, which I believe it is, then I'm included. Um, this light, this logos that is coming towards me to enlighten me and to you. Uh, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him or recognize him. So, wow, that this should be a really important indicator of um, terms of hearing God's voice. Like if the word itself, who is God, comes in um, in such a under-the-radar, incognito way where the world doesn't even recognize this uh, word, which is the light that is there to enlighten everyone, that might be an important key for discerning how God speaks. In other words, if we don't understand it, or recognize it, that might be a sign that it's God. If we're not recognizing it, that's normal. We're in good company because the world didn't recognize um, this uh, word, light, God. And so there's something difficult about it. It's not an obvious light like, like when the sun is out, you know, or the moon is out. We can just look up at it or we can turn on a light. This is a, it's a light that requires um, our eyes to be opened, you know, blind eyes to be opened. So there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every person. What does that tell us about God? You know, I, I love that question, um, which I often ask in Bible studies, and because and it really gets right to the heart of it. Well, God is a God who's committed to everyone's enlightenment. And God takes the initiative coming into the world. And, um, and yet God is humble enough so that um, the world even though the world's made by this God, this word, um, the world doesn't know him, doesn't recognize. So this isn't a, an imposing God. It's not a self-imposing revelation where we're forced to acknowledge and to bow and, and uh, pledge allegiance. Um, we're invited to, um, but we, we need to be able to see it, perceive it, um, come to that enlightenment in order to be able to do that. And, um, and look at verse 11. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. Wow. So I, I see this as really describing Jesus' own experience in the Gospels, uh, where he comes into, say, his own hometown of Nazareth. And um, when he speaks prophetically into their context, quoting from Isaiah 61, the people are so enraged that they want to, they try to throw him off a cliff. Um you know, so often in the Gospels, we see the religious leaders rejecting Jesus and plotting to uh, to destroy him, right in response to some of his most liberatory actions of healing people. And um, so he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So in other words, the religious insiders of the day, 
the believers, so to speak, the chosen, didn't receive him. The world didn't recognize him, and his own people didn't receive him. So often in Bible studies, I ask people whether they have ever felt not seen. Um, yesterday, I did a Bible study with a bunch of homeless guys in a um, day shelter in Mount Vernon, and, and I asked them if any of them had had the experience of not being seen. We were looking at a different scripture. We were looking at John chapter 9, you know, where um, it says that Jesus was, uh, you know, was on the run. They just tried to stone him, and, and um, so he was passing through, and he saw a blind man, and uh, a man who was born uh, blind, blind from birth, and and anyway, I asked the people whether they um, have ever felt like they weren't seen and, and what that was like. And they were saying, yeah, it's all of them were nodding and saying, yeah, we've many times felt not seen. And people gave examples of it. Um, one young man t talked about, you know, raising his younger daughter, younger sister and older brothers who was slightly older than him being feeling the full responsibility because his parents abandoned them all. And he felt like no one saw him in that role and all the pressure and weight that he was carrying on his shoulders. And other people talked about being on the streets and, you know, asking for a spare change. Um, because this is the crowd that I was with, is people that are standing at intersections oftentimes um, asking for help. And they talk about the alienation and of just not being even looked at. And um, so anyway, here God himself identifies as one who isn't received by his own. He isn't seen and he isn't um, received. And I asked the question too, have any of us, um, have any of you not been received by your own people? Have you, have you been rejected? And, um, and what's that like? What does that feel like to be rejected? And, uh, and everyone, we all have experiences of rejection, some more than others. And this is a point of, uh, of identification between the word uh, who is God, who is who comes uh, full of grace and truth and becomes flesh in Jesus. And this creates a nice uh, bridge between people's experience of being invisible and being rejected. And God himself, who like in the Suffering Servants uh, text of Isaiah 53, um, it says he was despised and rejected, right? A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, I'm just gonna read that section. Um, is it so, so powerful and, and relates so well to this text. So Isaiah 53. He was despised and forsaken of people, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom people hide their face, he was despised. And we did not esteem him or value him. And um, I think it's that um, picture that, that we see um, being evoked, I think, in this text. And so what if that's another clue to God's voice and how God speaks? If the Logos is, is that which is, um, is not recognized and then here not received, might that be a key to us identifying God's word to us that we might be inclined to reject it, um, to not receive it? So often that's the case for me um, when I feel like I'm supposed to uh, say something or do something. I often second guess myself. And uh, the other day I felt led to call someone and just thank them 
for being supporters of our family, this person who had helped us um, many, many, many times as uh, in a very generous way. Um, this is a person who was in his 90s at that point when I called and I felt called to call them uh, actually on New Year's Eve and, and I called the person and um, I did follow that voice. There was a part of me saying, well, it's New Year's Eve. I shouldn't call. I haven't talked to him for maybe four or five years and just to call out of the blue like that, an older person. No. And then, but, but I went with the, you know, the tug in my heart uh, rather than rejecting the voice or the impression I called and the person had just had a really bad fall that day. And, and so his daughter was really shocked that I'd call right when I called because, you know, him, he was available and I, and I was able to talk to him and thank him. And I just was able to tell him so many things that I had wanted to tell him um, about how grateful I was to him and his wife. And I was able to tell her too. And he listened and we engaged. And then um, the next day, I find out he passed away. He died the next day. He died in his chair. And um, wow, uh, I was so glad that I had followed that voice and not rejected it, that I'd received the word and acted on it. And uh, I'm seeing this more and more that a, a primary way that we can tell that it's God is that we will have a reaction, uh, second guessing it or, or re outright rejecting it. So not recognizing the prophetic word that's coming towards us or the word of God that is life, that's light, is um, normative because the world is described as 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 being this way. And, and this is the judgment that Jesus talks about, okay, um, in chapter 3, right? John, um, we, we have this John 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son to the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds may be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So look at that. So um, if the light is coming, the tendency we might have is to reject the light, uh, perhaps because of our own uh, darkness that is uh, that we're clinging on to and our lack of humility and our refusal to, to really uh, humbly uh, deal with whatever is uh, coming towards us. Maybe it's a light that is inviting us to confess our sins. Maybe it's a light inviting us to step beyond our comfort zone in a way that would transgress our pride um, and put us in an awkward place or invite us to do something really painful um, or risky. And um, so let's, let's be wary of that, right? And um, so let's, let's read the next part then. Um, you know, Jesus um, is described here. So he came to his own and those were his own did not receive him. And, um, and so this, I think, is something that we also um, need to realize that if we're identified with Jesus, we ourselves may well experience not being recognized, not being known um, or seen, and also not being received. Um, and so, you know, so often a measure of success is that we're um, 
we get lots of likes on our Facebook page or, or, you know, we get lots of people listening to our podcast or we get lots of invitations or, you know, we become famous. And, um, and sometimes that is a sign of God's favor for sure. But we have to be really careful that we don't assume that worldly success is, um, is something that even success in the body of Christ in, in Christian circles is a sign that we are, um, you know, that we're on track, that we're on point, that we're following the, the way of Jesus, that we're disciples. Because if God himself, uh, this word, this light, this life comes and the world doesn't know him and recognize him, doesn't receive him, then we as those who are identified with Jesus um, as his disciples can easily experience the same thing and we should be prepared for that. And in fact, that's exactly what um, Jesus teaches his disciples in John 13, verse 20. Jesus says, um, Truly I say to you, the one who receives whomever I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives the one who sent me. So we have this identification between um, between Jesus and um, you know and us. Like if if we are if we're received, then Jesus is received and the Father's received, right? But in contrast, the one who rejects us, or the one who rejects us, also is rejecting Jesus and rejecting the Father. And um, and Jesus says that in in other places, and um, and he talks about the world hating us, and um, because it hated him, and it's going to hate us too. Um, that's in John fifteen verse eighteen. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, um, because of this, the world hates you. Okay. Um, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And, um, and so this to me is, is really important to remember. And, um, and I think it's hard um, to actually step into being so identified with Jesus that we experience, um, you know, being despised and rejected of people, potentially. And and Jesus warns of this in so many other um, accounts in the Gospels. You know, I think of Matthew chapter 10, where it's stated super clearly, you know, um, that persecution is awaiting us. You know, Jesus says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And um, to be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And, you know, we talk about all this, he talks about all this persecution. And then in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. Um, it is enough for the disciple that he becomes like his teacher and that the slave like his master. If they've called the head of the household Belzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? And um, so Jesus um talks about that and, and then in verse 40 the one who receives you receives me and the one who receives me receives the one who sent me and um and so we we need to be aware that uh, that word receive is the same word um he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him and but then the, the really important verse here um to that turns things in such a positive direction is verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority. I, I, 
I really don't like the, so many of our translations that say the privilege or the right, because the word is exousia. To, to, to the many, uh, as many as did receive him, we can do that. We don't have to be like the world that doesn't recognize uh, the light, the, the word. We, we can receive it. Uh, we can recognize it and we can receive it unlike um, Jesus' own or, you know, the religious insiders or whoever they, they might be. It might include us. We can choose to, um, to receive Jesus. Um, and then we're given the authority to become children of God. So the way we become children of God, the way we step into this becoming um, is to receive over and over again, even to those who believe in his name. So there we have it. See, the belief, receiving and believing, leads to this new birth, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men and women, but of God. So this new birth is where we um, actually experience spiritual authority in contrast to authority according to the flesh. The authority according to the flesh comes through our human um, identity markers like uh, our racial ethnic profile, our education level, our intelligence level, our our skills, um, our training, our how much experience we have, our, our connections, our social class, you know, our national identity, all these kinds of things. And there is authority that comes through all those things. And that's why people are battling it out to try to, you know, be the political leader or the military leader of their, of their country or to be the head of their gang or this or that. But uh, true authority, true spiritual authority is something completely other. You know, it comes through um, receiving the one who is the word, who is the light, who's God himself, who the world doesn't um, know and who Jesus' own don't receive. But we can receive and are invited to step into uh, active faith. And, um, and this is something that excites me. I, I really want to do this more. I want to step into my true identity as a child of God and, and not depend upon all the other um, identity markers that, that, I, that I have. Um, and, and I believe when we move in this humble way, where our identity is received by, uh, because we are, we are born from above, you know, um, that's made very clear, you know, in Jesus's dealings with Nicodemus, you know, he, he comes to Jesus by night and says, you know, um, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I mean, people were amazed by Jesus's authority, right? Um, that's something that each of the gospels emphasize, like, um, they, 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 they're shocked by the level of authority that Jesus exercises. Like at the beginning of each of, uh, well, especially Mark and Luke, we have this statement about about Jesus. Um, you know how, um, you know, when he preached, people were, you know, were shocked by the level of authority that he had. Um, like, um, like I think of Mark chapter two. I'm just going to read that. Um, it, it says. Um, that Jesus came into this, uh, into the synagogue in Capernaum. And there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy one of God. And Jesus rebuked him and said, quiet, be quiet and come out of him, throwing him into convulsions. The unclean spirit cried with a loud voice and came out of him. And they were all amazed. And so they debated among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. For he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. So that, um, 
picture of Jesus uh, coming and, and speaking and acting um, and exercising authority is, you know, is, is something that is noted in many other places in the Gospels. Um, you know, I think of um, Luke chapter 4, you know, when Jesus, uh, you know, comes into Capernaum, we have the same thing. Um, you know, um, that people are amazed um, by his teaching. He rebukes a demon in um, the synagogue in Capernaum. And and then in Luke chapter 4, verse 36, an amazement came upon them all. And they began talking with one another, saying, what is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district. So Jesus is inviting us to... Um, take the path of Nicodemus, where um, in order for us to actually have authority, we need to, um, truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus says, unless one is born again or born from above, he or she cannot see the kingdom of God. We're not going to see the action if we're not um, in that posture of, you know, of receiving Jesus and uh, becoming sons and daughters of the Father, who were born not of the flesh, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of humans, but who were born of God. Um, Nicodemus interprets this literally. How can someone be born when he's old? And, you know, he can't be born a second time from his mother's womb, can he? Jesus says, truly I say to you, um, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that's what I really long for. I don't want my works to be works of the flesh. And I want my works to be works of the Spirit. Um, don't you? And so if we want our works to really come out of that relationship with God that um, is the foundation of our authority as sons and daughters, then that's going to be the key to us being able to have fruit that is the fruit of the Spirit. And that involves um, this a certain insecurity. Uh, Jesus says, um, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the spirit. So there you go. We're, we're not in control. We've got to be surrendered. And so with that, I'd like to, to close with a prayer. God, I ask that you would help us to uh, welcome your, your word, your logos, your, your, uh, yourself, God, um, because you are the word that has become flesh, Jesus, and help us to um, recognize you and to see you, to receive you, and to step into our true identity and our true authority as being uh, children of, of the Father and who are born, um, up, born again, born from above. And let us be people who bear fruit that is fruit of the Spirit and not fruit of the flesh. Help us uh, to be able to welcome your word and to to note it and to note it note, notice when we're rejecting it uh, and help us to be able to have that faith to receive your um, you know your living word the light the true light that is there to enlighten everyone and we want to be part of it we want to be like John the Baptist uh, bearing witness um, knowing that we ourselves are not the light but we bear witness um, to the light so that people will believe. Uh, through us as well. Help us to be able to, to see people coming to believe um, through our bearing witness uh, and so that others can connect directly with you, Jesus.
we pray in your name. Amen.